Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name is Lewis Daniels and joining me today is Kidney Transplant recipient, YouTuber and former semi-professional footballer, Mark Zoll. We discuss Mark's experience of being diagnosed with lupus all the way through to him receiving a kidney from his brother Jason, as well as his time playing for Wheelstone FC and some of his running and hiking achievements. Mark also talks to me about his sporting plans for the future and his brilliant YouTube channel, Transplant Fitness, so please stick around to find out more. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Mark Zoll, welcome to Transmat's Take on Sport. Hi there, Lewis. Very good to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I think you might be the first lupus patient that we've had on the podcast so far. So for those who aren't aware, what is lupus and when were you first diagnosed? Um, lupus is an autoimmune disease. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 17 years old. Uh, it's, a, it's a disease that attacks your active living cells inside your body. You can basically be diagnosed with lupus in any organ in your body. Uh, I was diagnosed in my kidneys. And at the time, I had no idea absolutely no idea that I was suffering from it. Uh, like I said, I was 17, quite young, quite active, quite fit, doing everything that a 17 year old would be doing. And um, then I got hit with this kidney diagnosis. And I was told that it was attacking my kidneys, and that I would need medicine to, to recover from it to get better from it. How did you take that diagnosis at first? Because I'm reading your story, you were quite young at the time, quite similar to my diagnosis. Yeah. And it is a lot to take, especially when you're in your late teens. <laughs> yeah do you know I don't I don't think I processed it properly when I was that young to be honest because I was um I think I was at I was at college at the time um on a football scholarship so I was doing lots of things that I had planned for in the future and when it hit me I don't think I understood at the time how serious it was at all because I still thought you know I'm still gonna play football I'm still gonna sort of do what I want to do with it but I didn't realize that the tablets I'd have to take tablets every single day for the rest of my life and things would have to stop and things would have to change. 
So I think I didn't really understand at the time. It took a bit more. It took a few more years before I really thought, right, this is properly serious right now. So you, you'd have been at college at that time, mm. weren't you? Um, yeah. How did that affect you going through through that period, especially when generally the people that you're around at that point, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to assume, but the majority <laughs> will be completely fit and healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I was quite lucky at the time that uh, my wife, who I've been married to for now five years, we'd met before college. So we'd been together since high school and she was completely supportive and she was always there to help me through these sorts of times when I was younger. But yeah, I was literally on a football scholarship, like I said, and they were all super fit, healthy 17-year-olds as well. And um, they didn't understand at all. And um, all my friends and stuff, they would, you know, try and say the things they thought you needed to hear, maybe, you know, saying that you'll be fine, you'll do be this, you'll be that. But just the underlying feature was they just had no idea what was going on because I didn't either. So I couldn't even explain to them what was going on. So yeah, it was kind of a strange situation, to be honest. Was it a safe space to talk about how you might have been feeling or the, the illness you were going through? Um, I, th- I do think it was a safe space, uh, but I just don't think I knew how to communicate it with some friends. I think at the time, like I said, I didn't have the correct understanding and I found it impossible to tell anyone else how I felt as well. And then going on from there, at what point did you find out that it was really starting to damage your kidneys? When I mean, we're going to come on to your transplant a bit later on. Yeah, I, um, I'd say that after diagnosis at 20, I was given ton, tons of medication for it to sort of like to stop it in its tracks. I think I was diagnosed at a point where my kidneys were working at around 40% function. And then it wasn't until I was probably about 20, 21, that um, I started some the real hardcore medication, the pregnisolone steroids to really look after it. My kidney function was starting to sort of drop regularly when I was about 20. And I don't think I was looking after myself as much as I should have. I wasn't sort of eating right it wasn't exercising right because it was obviously a time for me that wasn't the best time so I must have been struggling to deal with it looking back on it and then yeah in my early 20s I thought right this is really serious now I've got all these tablets to take on time every single day need to get this back on track and I think it wasn't until I moved out to university where I started to really turn it back around on itself I thought right I'm going to start controlling this rather than let it control me and that's when it sort sort of changed then I think that's key in people to be able to take something from that, the fact that you control your illness condition. It doesn't control you. Mm. Do you think from playing football, and by the side of it to quite a good standard, do you think the discipline from that helped you in controlling your illness and taking your tablets on time, sticking to those routines? Yes, definitely. Especially after I had sort of processed it from the age of 17. When I got to this stage, like I said, probably about 20 years old, I was probably at my lowest I had literally stopped playing any ex- uh, any football, no exercise at all, gained weight, wasn't living the way I wanted to. And then from that point on, I was like, right, yeah, this is where it turns around. And I do think definitely the whole discipline with sport and doing things sort of regularly definitely helped me sort of put my own plan and structure to, for myself to get back into the shape that I wanted to be in. I'm sure we'll come on to it in more detail later, but do you think that sporting background has helped you even more so after your transplant when still you've got... I mean, I've seen your videos again, which we'll come on to talk to you later. You've got heaps of medication to take. <laughs> yes, loads and loads. I'm literally uh, like right now in the middle of making another video all about my medication and how I take them and when to take them and stuff like that. And yeah, most definitely just the whole the whole uh, motivation and drive and sort of structure behind it has definitely helped me to <laughs> structure that as well. I've said before, we're going to come and talk about your transplant further into the podcast, but 
how far in advance did you know that you'd need a transplant in the future? Uh, they told me pretty early on, um, probably in between the time when I was 17, uh, between the, the ages of 17 and 20, they said, you'll most likely need a transplant. And again, I don't think I processed that at all. Like it was just a complete passing comment in my head. It just went straight through me. I was like, oh, okay, then fine. Didn't really process it. And then I was told that I would probably need a transplant within four or five years when I was uh, late teens. And because after I turned 20, like I said, I sort of took more control. I did manage to stretch it out to 10, 11 years. And that was definitely with the help of sport as well. And that's sort of the process they end up taking. So attitude sounds like it's definitely helped you there. We'll come on to your sport now. You've mentioned football. Was that your main sport that you played growing up? Yes, been playing it since I was a little boy. Sunday league football, all the parents know about it. Mum used to drive me every Sunday morning, freezing cold, standing outside. Um, been playing uh, for Willstone FC literally since I was a little boy. I was on their academy. Uh, played through teenage years all the way up to college where I eventually got onto a football scholarship to play for their uh, the professional side. And this all just hit me literally just before sort of breaking into the first team onto the pitch and stuff but yeah it has been literally my life since I was a kid since I was a boy my next question is and some listeners regular listeners who have heard people who played football speak before mm. they might be expecting a certain answer here but what <laughs> position did you play <laughs> I was a striker I'm not a goalkeeper I'm not was a goalkeeper no not a goalkeeper always been a striker always wanted to be the one in the headlines glory scoring all the goals so yeah always been that a lot of lot of top scoring seasons uh yeah as, as as a youngster I think I I think I grew up quite fast I was always quite tall for my age and so I was always quite at an advantage for like under 10s under 11s and stuff so yeah quite a lot of top scorer seasons tall and fast tall and fast Wheelstone FC's Erling Haaland yes exactly as you have mentioned there Wheelstone mm-hmm. Wheelstone FC that you played for all the way through mm-hmm. how old are you when you were offered that semi-pro deal uh, literally on the point of going from uh, high school to college. So I was about 15, 16. Uh, like I said, I've been in the academy since I was like five or six. And I was known very well throughout the academy from the lower ranks all the way to the top ranks. And it was just a point of making sure that when I got to this certain age, they would keep me in under their wing and keep progressing with me. And uh, yeah, when I was at college, I was literally training three or four times a week, playing games every single week, uh, talking to all the people that I need to speak to to get to the higher level and that's when it all just came crashing down and um, didn't get to play. I didn't ever get to play in the first team after that. That's a shame. How did you find the academy process? There might be people listening who've been through that themselves. I haven't. It sounds quite intense. It is super intense but I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was really, really intense. I was doing it, like I said, when I was at college. So I was doing it alongside a sort of BTEC study in sports science as well because I obviously need to keep studying on the side. And it, it was literally three three training sessions a week, a game every weekend, and you you it's just nonstop nonstop football <laughs> in your mind. I absolutely love that, and I miss that a lot. But yeah, it is nonstop football in your mind, and because you're training so much, you end up looking after yourself so much better. You eat better because of it. You sleep better because of it. It all just rolls into one nice bundle of a good routine. Have you got plans to get back into football, maybe transplant football sometime in the future? That is a gr- that is a real, real plan of mine. Yeah, even leading up to my transplant, I've been playing football just uh, on the side as well. Nothing close to being competitive, but after my transplant, it's definitely a, a real goal of mine. But now I play so many other sports, I'm not sure where I want to sort of put my <laughs> skills into, so I'm going to have to decide. But yeah, that's definitely a, a, a dream of mine. 
we've we've mentioned Wheelston FC quite a few times now. Yeah. Um, regular listeners, well, listeners, anyone listening might recognise the name Wheelston FC for yeah one particular reason. Uh, <laughs> if if anyone's not clocked on uh, in the edit, I'll play the clean parts of the, oh my gosh, the viral yeah, clip now. <laughs> we'll see how much we can get in. You've got no friends. You've got no drowns. Oh, you want some? Huh? You want some? If you want some, I'll give it to you. You want to do with me? Based on that, I mean, you said he didn't play for the first team. Mm-hmm. Did he watch them a few times? I'm presuming yeah. that. I'm presuming you had a decent amount of fans. Yeah, I did. I did go see them quite a few times actually, and uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. This Raider himself. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he's well known. Oh, the Wheelstone Raider. Uh, <laughs> did, did you ever see him at the ground? Do you know? What? I don't think I ever saw him but I'm sure he must have been there and like I just subconsciously heard him but I don't think I've ever saw it like seen <laughs> it I don't think I ever picked him out in the crowd he sounds very vocal and he, <laughs> yeah, exactly he's put yeah. Wilson on the map <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's a great video and to be fair to him he's doing he's doing good things from it it went viral he is yeah he is by the sound of it from an interview I've seen for him he was getting provoked by the opposition fans yeah, yeah. um and I watched an interview with him that he's he's using it now using the um the the fame if you like the fame yeah to uh for good and do a load of charity work so mm-hmm. yeah good fair on play him. to him for turning what was a difficult situation <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah into a massive positive <laughs> do you think your ill your lupus diagnosis and your kidney issues I mean you've talked about affected your ability to play football and to what extent um I do think it has and I think. I only realized this looking back on it because obviously you don't know this at the time, but um, I was reading through your story as well. And you spoke a lot about getting cramps during the night and cramps just throughout the day. I used to suffer from that a lot when I was 15, 16, 17. And of course I'm playing football at the time. So you think, Oh, I haven't recovered properly. I haven't you know, eaten properly. And that's the reason for it. And really, really close to my diagnosis. I do remember playing football and every day I'd get the worst cramps from it. And it got to a point where literally my coaching staff would have a go at me because they thought I wasn't <laughs> looking after myself. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I seriously don't know. But in ter- I don't know, in terms of fitness and stuff like that, I don't think it affected me, like my cardiovascular system, stuff like that. But yeah, there's like odds, odds, odd things here and there that I thought, yeah, that's strange. And looking back, it's like, yeah, it was because I was suffering from kidney, kidney disease. Did you ever see anyone about your cramps? Uh, no, just like the standard physio and not, nothing... To, no, no one to pick it up seriously, but yeah. Going through a similar thing, going to the, it was the university physio, which you got, uh, you got free through got, playing for one of the sports teams. Hmm. And they were trying all sorts of exercises. Like my ankles, I can't point my toes towards my head beyond 90 degrees still. Ah, yeah. And that was an issue at the time. Yeah. And then I got referred to the, the musculoskeletal assessment team at the hospital. Mm. and no one could really work it out no. it was there was talk because there was a fluid in my knees as well and my knees had never been a problem but then yeah. looking back that was just the the fluid from the yeah. kidney disease but they were talking about um like slashing my calves and Achilles oh, tendons just to loosen it all off and oh great uh, i think that was going off on a tangent here on my story but that was probably <laughs> a point that made me go and get checked out further and think that something wasn't quite right because i didn't want that to happen no, definitely not. My cramps are always in my hamstrings. So I would literally be able to run after. I'd literally just cramp up and stand like a statue. I couldn't even move, couldn't bend over. A shotgun effect on the pitch. Did you ever get that? I did. I literally was sprinting down 
uh, on the pitch and it just you just freeze because you can't you can't do it anymore just fall over literally <laughs> the radar will have you in the car park oh definitely yeah and aside from football reading your, your story you're big into your fitness and we're going to come on to your, your current challenges that you're doing now for getting your research later on mm-hmm. you've been involved with cycling hiking running how did you first get into those activities and was that to help with football mainly um I'd, I'd say so yeah again looking back on it something had to replace my football because I was I was just one of those people that just finds it hard to rest finds it hard to just not do anything throughout the day so I picked up uh, my friends and I have always been into do, sort of doing like long treks and long uh, hikes and stuff and uh, we randomly went up uh, to the peak district one year and just climbed a few peaks and we absolutely loved it and then since then we planned to do one each year um, the well-known three peaks challenge of the UK Ben Nevis, Scaffold Peak and uh, Snowdonia, we wanted to do that. To do that in 24 hours is the actual challenge. We're, we're nowhere near doing that <laughs> at all. But we have managed to do two and a half of them, I would say. Yeah, so my friends and I have literally uh, trekked up and done hiking. I think hiking was the one thing that I enjoyed the most after my sort of my football died down. And then since then, it's just been a few um, a few odd bits and pieces here and there. Like I said, football every week and then cycling to go to football and stuff like that. But yeah, the hiking has been the number one thing that I've really, really loved. Has that been good to clear your head? Because you get you sort of get that away, out in the open, away Definitely. from everything. Definitely. And it makes you feel like you can still achieve things. Because I was doing this with still like less than 40% kidney function. And that was decreasing year after year after year. And it just made you feel like, yeah, you can still do things. You don't just, you know, don't just sit around thinking, oh, I've got to take these tablets and they're stopping me from doing things. It's like, no, I can still do them. When you were doing that, your diet had to have changed because of the, the illness. Oh yeah, my diet changed completely. So again, when I was 20 and I thought, right, I need to change something completely. I read a few books, did a few bits of research online and it seemed like the right thing to do was to change my diet and become a vegetarian. So many things have been spoken about, about how your body processes meat fats and the stress it puts it under. And I thought, you know, I need to try something. So then from the age of 20, I literally became vegetarian. I tried being vegan. It was just too hard for me at the time. I mean, this is like 10... 11 years ago now so it's not as big veganism as it is now and um, so I just uh, settled for vegetarian and it really really helped like it helped my kidney function it helped all my blood tests when they came back uh, to it got to a point where I was literally getting fitter getting off certain tablets that I had to take to look after myself I was doing it naturally and my um my doctors at the hospital they never really highlighted diet as something you should really change or look after I knew it was having an effect because I felt much better doing it. And I could do things like hiking up mountains and play football every week. So yeah, it definitely helped like becoming a vegetarian. With being a vegetarian, when you're out on your hikes, how did that affect the snacks that you took with you? How you'd fuel <laughs> yourself? I just have like 15 Snickers bars and <laughs> a Lucasade bottle, to be honest. I, you know, I think we literally just, yeah, we just snacked on nuts and stuff like that. So I don't think... Uh, we weren't the most professional of hikers, by the way, Lewis. Like, seriously, it wasn't like a full-on production. <laughs> we just tried our best to get out there with whatever food we had in our bags from Tesco or something. So, but yeah, it wasn't too serious. Well, thinking about that, most snacks probably aren't uh, meat-based. Probably exactly. not much of an issue there, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was not too bad with my nuts and my chocolate, so it was fine. I was thinking back to Duke of Edinburgh and all the, the cereal bars and... Exactly, yeah. Nuts, whatever else you might take. Probably, I think I took popcorn on mine. Yeah, that's a good idea. So hiking, you enjoyed that the most, but you've also mm. done quite a lot of runs, long distance runs, 5k park runs, half marathons. Yeah. You've done a 10k in November. Yeah. 
this was something that my friends got me into more than I I thought I didn't think I would enjoy this as much I don't think I've ever enjoyed long distance running as a footballer because you never do but then um yeah just sort of started randomly going out for a few jogs with a few mates they got into running their 5ks quite regularly with the the free park runs on the weekends so I joined them for a bit and I absolutely loved it my times kept going down and down and down I'm very very competitive like literally instantly talking to you about timing is already and um I've got a mate who's running like 5Ks super fast when I started. And I thought, I'm just going to try and beat him. I literally just trying to beat him. So I just kept going and going and going. And then, yeah, we joined, a, I think my another friend and I joined a half marathon. We ended up completing that. And I thought, you know what? And I was, it was something that I was better at than I thought I was. So I thought this is something that I really want to chase and really want to go down the avenue. And it's something that I also want to do now again after my transplant, something that I really seriously want to take, uh, take control of. What sort of times were we doing those in? For the runners out there. For 5K, I started, <laughs> this isn't going to sound impressive at all. I started at like 36 minutes for 5K. And within a year after Keep On Going, I was down to 25 minutes for a 5K. Drop. Sorry? That's a, quite a big change. It is a big, it is a big change. But at this time, I think I was losing weight as well and uh, going through a nice a nice level of fitness. So yeah, I was my, my PB was 25, but that was literally two weeks before my transplant. So right. my transplant got in the way. And on the transplant leading up to it when you got quicker going up to your transplant yeah. did you notice an impact on how, how far you could run how fast you could run your stamina because of the decrease in kidney function do you know what? i don't i don't think i did and it's really strange i feel like the fittest i'd ever been was the week before my transplant i literally my transplant was on a on like i had to go into the hospital on a sunday for the transplant to be on the monday that saturday before i was doing a 5k park run and just chilling and doing it as best as I could and I felt really really good doing it so I don't think I felt any side effects from the I, my, my function was down like 10 by now but I literally couldn't feel it for some reason so I think it's just one of those things sometimes when you're just in the groove you don't really know yeah it's, it's impressive and there's a, obviously some a lot of determination there because you're in that that situation where mm. I don't know my position the transplant was on my mind a lot I was still playing cricket mm. And maybe mentally, I know I was thinking, I don't want to overdo it and push myself too much that close to my transplant. But you seem to be going, right, we're doing it. It's, and it, I presume <laughs> that would have helped in your recovery as well. It, I think it definitely did. But I definitely had my wife and other people around me thinking like you, don't, <laughs> don't do this, don't do that. But yeah, I think naturally I was just like, no, I'm just going to, yeah, I just want to do as much as I can leading up to it. And I know that, you know, healthier mind, healthier body gives you quicker recovery as well. So yeah, I'm sure it did have a sort of an effect on my recovery as well. Are other running events you've done, you've, Tough mudder. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted to do that before my transplant. Yeah, maybe not now afterwards. <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun, but how difficult is it? Oh, it's absolutely crazy. And again, I, I think I've done three in total. I think I've done one full one and like two like five k or ten k like mini ones. And the full one was the first one that I ever did. I think I did this maybe like was like twenty four, twenty five. So I just. Uh, done really well in sort of controlling my lupus I was at a really good stage in my mid-20s uh, playing my football being really fit and healthy and then uh, my friends were like it's just a tough mother and it was literally like so last minute like no training or anything I'm like yeah fine let's do it and you know it was super hard but I, again it's just one of those things like when you've done it you think wow like look what I've managed to achieve like so many people around me they all have their own stories doing their tough mother I'm sure I'm not the only one but for me, it was really it was really a good personal achievement for me. What was the toughest obstacle on the course? Oh, the toughest obstacle. There was, there's so many where you have to it's you have to swing with your body weight using your own like 
monkey bars and stuff like that and then they swing and then they turn and they twist as well and the worst experience was the arctic anema which is basically a pool of icy cold water and you have to slide into it and you then you have to go through <laughs> through a tire which is inside the water and your body just freezes it absolutely like you couldn't move after like we all just sat there for like two minutes afterwards trying to get our breath back <laughs> and then there's like a, a 1k run up a hill after that so yeah it's super exciting super tricky and super hard but when it's done you're like yeah that, that's pretty cool that i finished that it looks so cool to do it and it must it obviously if it does feel good afterwards the two i've watched videos of it the two obstacles that stood out for me is the ones that you think oh, that looks that looks tough was the the ice water like you said yep. and yep. when you did it did they have the um the the electric wires hanging down from the the top they had to run through that was the last obstacle literally the finish line is beyond the, the electric wires so all of us i think there's five of us in the group literally just held hands and just bombed it and sprinted <laughs> through it and you just hear people going zap, getting zapped every second yeah that was fun as well <laughs> we're coming to your transplant now we've, we've mentioned we've sort of touched on it a few times with how you, your sports helped and how much time you were given to or time you were told before you might need a transplant mm-hmm. your transplant was a live donor from your younger brother jason yeah that's correct did many more of your family come forward? Yeah, I think, um, honestly, I think everyone wanted to. And um, they all showed interest in wanting to help, which was absolutely amazing. Like the support at the time was incredible. But then my mindset was really strange at the time. I didn't want a live donor. I didn't want anyone going through that for me. I didn't want anything to go wrong for them just because of me. So I think I spent like a year on the deceased list waiting for a transplant before my doctor's like, right, your, your kidney function is dropping faster than you want it to. You're going to have to reconsider your options. So at the time, my mum, my younger brother, my older brother, and my dad all stepped forward to say, look, can we, can we get tested to see what's going on? And a few friends did as well. So yeah, I had a lot, a lot of support at that time. I can understand your thinking with not wanting to uh, have a live donor and not put them through it, what is realistically a, quite a major operation. But as far as the transplant surgeons are concerned, for them, it and that's what they were saying when I was going through mine with my mum. For them, it's quite a routine procedure. They they do it every day. They're happy to do it. Yeah. I know it was a difficult decision for you, but from your family's point of view, all the ones that came forward, mm-hmm. was it relatively easy, straightforward? Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. This was even before we'd, they'd even known what the donor would go through. They all just stepped up and went, yeah, get me tested. I want to see if I'm, if I'm a match for you, which is fantastic at the time, as you can imagine. So, And I think they can only test three people at a time. So my younger brother, my mum, and one of my best friends got tested. And uh, it turned out, yeah, that Jason was a perfect match for me. Completely fit and healthy as well. Just a younger version of me, to be honest. So he was perfect <laughs> for me. So It's so good to hear these stories. When people go through it and the family connections, family donors, do you think it's brought you closer together as a family, especially with your brother? Oh, definitely. Definitely. My brother and I are closer than we've ever been before. It's not that we were ever, like, distant. Because he used to play Sunday League football as well. He was at Willstone as well. He sort of followed the same sort of path as I did. But afterwards, the connection is just different. That's that three or four days we've been in the hospital together will like just remain with me forever. Like it was almost like happened yesterday. I can tell you every single conversation we had if I if I could sit here with you for two hours. But yeah, it's definitely the connection we've got now is like completely different to how it was before the transplant. When you're in the beds, you're in next to each other. Yeah, we're right next to each other. It must have been like being kids again, just it was sitting next to each other all the time, talking about anything yep literally speaking about what we were eating talking about how nasty our porridge was literally like <laughs> i could tell you every single conversation and were you able to avoid dialysis beforehand 
yes, I was. And that's why my doctors in the end pursued, uh, like persuaded me, like, let's check out this live donor option for you because you are going to end up on a machine. To avoid that, did you have to make any sort of lifestyle changes or dietary changes other than going vegetarian, which by the sounds of it helped a lot? Uh, yeah, at the time, I went through quite a few things that they spoke about throughout the years. Uh, a low salt diet, low sodium diet. Um, again, I think that benefits everyone, to be honest, like if, even if you're not a kidney disease patient. Um, I had to have a low potassium diet as well. Uh, I went like eight years without having a banana. Like seriously, <laughs> the first banana after transplant was amazing. And uh, it's like less potato and less uh, stuff like that as well. So yeah, there was a few little odds and uh, bits and pieces that I had to consider with my diet leading up to the transplant as well. I don't... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I think we've spoken about the low potassium diet on here before. I could be wrong, but would you be able to give a brief explanation, description of what that involves, what you maybe would avoid eating or limit eating? Yeah, no potato. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> no potato. No potato and uh, no bananas is what I was told because those are the two main contributors. And potato can be found in most dishes that you want to eat anyway, so that was quite tricky. Uh, and just having wholemeal, wholemeal for everything, wholemeal rice, wholemeal bread, wholemeal pasta. And just keep it as plain and simple as possible. They gave you, at the, so they gave me at the time, like loads of leaflets and loads of things like that. As now I can't remember it off the top of my head, but at the time I was very, very well invested in it and following it to a T. So I think that's the right way to be. I was very, very into the low protein diet, which I don't think I spoke about on here before either, to the point of going gluten free because um, gluten free bread had less protein than regular bread. Yeah. And just to pack the calories in with the, yep. the set amount of protein. What was your substitute for potato if you had one? <laughs> I don't think I did substitute it, to be honest. I think I had it 
I just ended up having it less often, like a lot less often. Because uh, I, I love jacket potato, like I have jacket potato most weeks. So that was really hard for me to give up. So I think I'd have it just left off less often rather than replaced it with anything. What was the first jacket potato like after you transplanted? I know they do them in hospitals quite a lot. <laughs> to be honest, I like I like the one in hospital to be honest because it's literally there. Uh, it was really good, but the banana after that 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 was the one for me. The banana after was so good. <laughs> You've been making a lot of banana bread in lockdown. Oh yeah, my wife has yeah, <laughs> banana muffins and everything. After you transplanted, has everything been going smoothly since? Uh, no, not 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 really. Not as smooth as uh, as predicted. The first. Um, first week uh, after transplant was amazing in hospital my uh, creatinine levels were fantastic my kidney function was up in the 90s everything was going really good and then within two weeks I was back in hospital because they spotted that my creatinine was jumping up super high and um, it turned out that I had uh, some t-cell rejection in my kidney and it needed to be treated with pregnisolone steroids to help uh, counteract the rejection that I was getting in the kidney and then it sort of spiraled from there and it's got to a point now where it's being controlled the rejection is gone completely and i'm just sort of recovering from the side effects of what they've given me now yeah it's good to hear right now it's really really good would you be able to describe a bit about t-cell rejection if you can yeah of course so it's uh it's literally a it's it's a case that obviously i've got my brother's kidney inside of me and uh your body just doesn't like it in there. It just doesn't, it knows that it's not part of your body. It knows that it's not supposed to be inside you and your immune system just starts attacking it. So my immune system started to attack the cells in the kidney. And uh, you can see this just based on a very simple, well, I say simple, but a biopsy, which I'm sure you've had loads of as well. And yeah, you can see the inflammation and stuff like that that's occurring. And uh, it just needs to be stamped out as soon as possible. If that gets out of hand, you it's hard to come back from. But I've also been told well i've been told and it's been proven that if you can spot it and stop it quickly it's almost as if you never had it and that's just at the stage that i'm at now which i'm very thankful for so you wouldn't even know if you took a scan of my kidney that it was ever being rejected because it's in a really good state right now so you had quite a few biopsies then since you transplanted because I've, I've only had the one and that was original diagnosis mm-hmm. what are they like to go through after you transplant with it going through the front and being able to sort of yeah. see the <laughs> for anyone who's not up on the needles like it's, i described it as about the size of a fingernail yes what's it like to see it it's super strange but i'm i think i'm a bit weird in that sense where i love watching all that stuff like if anyone's seen any of my videos you'll see that i'm on the operating table or in wherever and i've got my camera with me at the same <laughs> time so i'm recording screens and everything and i did uh, i did say to my doctor when he came in to do the biopsy, I'm like, look, I'm just making a YouTube video. Do you mind if I record you? And he was like, I don't feel comfortable you recording me in case I make a mistake. I was like, fine, that's okay. But uh, yeah, it's strange going through the front. And it's the same sensations, though, that spring-loaded needle that just shoots through you and springs back up. Yeah, it's very strange, but satisfying for me in a very strange way. You filmed a video on the stent removal, didn't you, after your transplant? Yes, I that's did, yeah. That's a weird process to see. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's And that's something that I didn't, I wasn't really told about that leading up to it as well. And I didn't really know that that was how it was going to be removed or even that there was one inside me. And uh, yeah, so many people have seen that video because it just shows that not many people are prepared for it. So I tried to record as much as I could, but anyone that's gone through that process will know that's not the easiest thing to record. So I think there's a lot of questions around that leading up to it once you find out that it's coming. And being in there at the time, I, 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 may, I may lower the tone here. Uh, <laughs> But you go in there, it's freezing. I'm sure everyone goes in yeah. and makes the same joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's cold in here. Uh, and then 
the weird feeling of turning. I was sort of facing one side because it was uncomfortable. And then you turn round and your inside is on a 50 inch TV next to you. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's super, super strange. And I, I know that uh, it's obviously different male and female. I had three female nurses doing this as well. It's just like the strangest sensation for me. And yeah, I was watching the video and the recording and everything. So, very strange uh, <laughs> procedure. I asked a question before mine, which I wanted to see if you, now we're onto it, if you had the similar sort of thought or maybe asked a similar question. I was asking about the, I think it's called a cytoscope the little camera with the claw yeah. on the end yeah. they used to pull the stent out. I was concerned about how big that was, <laughs> which I think is natural. I hope natural. <laughs> and when I asked how big it was, I was, uh, they replied, it's about the size of a pencil. Uh, yeah. I, I walked in and next to my bed on the table was the scope. And it was a scary, scary thing to see. It was <laughs> the, the diameter of a pencil quite thick and I was like yeah that's 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 gonna not be the fun the most fun thing I'm gonna go through during this whole procedure my follow-up question was the whole pencil or just the lead inside <laughs> is it one of those massive pencils comedy sized pencils <laughs> but not a pleasant experience no agree and the less said about that the better but it's yeah. something that people are always concerned about and I'm not sure how many views your video is on but at the sound of it, it is something that people are Intrigued to see to oh, calm yeah. their nerves beforehand. Yeah, yeah. I think it's on like 30k or something. So yeah, lots of people have seen that. And if you haven't seen it already, and you, that's something you're looking for, you're not looking forward to, but uh, <laughs> you're going to have in the future if you pre-transplant or if you just had a transplant, go and have a look. And we'll talk about where where you can find that later on. Yeah, but we'll yeah, do. please go and have a look. In fact, we may as well come on to that now. You have a YouTube channel, an Instagram page, Facebook page, Twitter page mm-hmm. called Transplant Fitness. Yep. For those who haven't seen it, how would you describe your content? Um, my YouTube channel is all about informing people, showing people my journey just to help them through their journey. I mean, as soon as I knew that I was having a transplant, when it was confirmed, I thought there are so many questions that I've got. And it's not that you're scared to ask them. Sometimes you don't know where to go find the answer. There's so much information on the internet. And that I ended up just YouTubing things as we all do these days. I found a really interesting video in... Uh, from a girl in America who had just recorded her entire time in hospital during her transplant. And I thought that's definitely something I want to do. And it's just sort of gone on from there. I just thought, you know, I'm going to document everything that happens to me. So any procedure, any change in medication, anything that I can just pass on as knowledge to help someone is what I'm going to record and document. And that's what all the videos are about at the moment. The brilliant videos. If anyone hasn't watched them, I highly recommend you do. Oh, I've been watching you. them. And it's so, so clear and so well explained. Uh, and I think teach, it will help a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, like today, you've explained everything so well. You do it. You do it on there as well. What's been your so your, your favorite video to make, if you like? Um, oh, there's been quite a few. I think my 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 out and out favorite video is the actual transplant week in hospital. That's a good one. The, the second video that came out, I just is simply just called the transplant journey, and it's literally that seven or eight days I spent in hospital during the transplant and just the whole process. It's super emotional. All the, all the songs that go with it just literally make me uh, get goosebumps all over. And it really shows what could or might happen to someone for that week whilst they're in hospital. And I think that's exactly the message that I try to get across. What you're doing is working. Uh, what are your goals with YouTube and social media? Cause you've got quite a following already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I had a really big break last year. I think everyone was suffering from COVID and uh, not in their best frame of mind. So I literally didn't make a video for an entire year. Uh, only this year that I've started to pick it back up again. And do you know, what? I, I don't even, I haven't even thought about it long term. I just want to keep making videos that help people. I've always said literally from the start that even if my video helps one person, it's worth me making it. And that's the, that's the sort of mindset I'm going to keep going with going forward. Absolutely. One of your more recent ones, I think I saw it on your Instagram, which I've written down as a topic mm. to talk about, if you're all right with it, was on mm-hmm. post-transplant, I hope I'm going to say this right, <laughs> erythrocytosis. Cy- erythrocytosis, That's yes. The one. Don't worry, I practiced forever saying that before I went <laughs> recording myself. How would you describe that? What's How have you dealt with it? It's something that I was diagnosed with recently. It's literally something uh, where you have your hemoglobin levels are too high. You essentially have too much blood in your body. And this is something I've never heard of before. And this is how I just, just get inspired to make a video. It's like, oh, I've never heard of this. So I'm guessing there's tons of other people that haven't. So let me make a video about it. And yeah, I was just having my regular blood tests. And they said, yeah, your hemoglobin levels are super high. I think if they monitor you over like two or three weeks and it's still high, they then officially diagnose you with uh, post-transplant erythrocytosis. And they gave me some medication to help, to help dampen. Uh, I'm going to go really scientific now. The, <laughs> your kidney produces EPO, uh, a hormone. And uh, EPO is what the cyclists used to use when they were doing their drug cheating during the whole Lance Armstrong saga, because it increases your blood cells, which increases your aerobic capacity, and you have more oxygen in your body. My kidney was producing too much EPO, and it was then interacting with your bone marrow to create blood cells, and mine was just hyperreactive. So I had to essentially just get blood removed to lower my blood count. And that happened, I think, two weeks ago. And I haven't even had, I think my next blood test is tomorrow. So I'll see if it's made a difference then. How did you deal with that and take it mentally? Because I mean, anything after you transplant, when I touch wood, it's all been going smoothly so far. Mm-hmm. But any sort of change, me anyway, I'm a worrier. And I'd naturally think, right, what does that mean? Let's let's try and get it, ask all the questions, get it under control. How have you found it? I, I think I'm very similar to you. As soon as I've heard that, you know, this might be wrong or this might not be right. It's like, all right, what can I do to help? And uh Essentially, they said there's, there's nothing you can do, which is what I expect anyway. So they started me on a new medication. And um, then eventually they did this. Uh, it's called a, a venue section where they just just drain your blood for you. But at the time, again, it's just one of those things. I didn't feel it. If they didn't tell me that I was suffering from this, I wouldn't have known. And it's just something that uh, I just yeah just took on the chin and just went on with it, to be honest. And if people want to watch that video or any other videos and find you on social media, where can they go to follow you? Uh, transplant fitness on youtube is the name of my youtube channel and then essentially my all my social medias are called transplant fitness in one way or another with a hashtag or an underscore um i'm i'm mostly active on instagram at the moment um i'm struggling to get into twitter the word limit <laughs> limits how much information yeah. i can give people so i'm a lot more active on on instagram if you want to go uh, get some more uh, informed details from me head over there and the topic of the the explanations and the questions that you answer people on there. I tweeted out Instagram, Facebook for some listener questions yesterday. We've had some come in. Um, if anyone wants to get involved and, answer, and ask some questions and get featured on the podcast, you can go to any of the Transplants Take on Sport social media pages. Instagram and Facebook are at Transplants Take on Sport pod and Twitter is at TTOS pod. If you go over there, you'll also find out who's coming on the podcast uh, a day before we record. So you'll find out before it goes live. Uh, the first one came in from Matt, and he says, question for Mark. 
Do you use any supplements to deal with increased appetite or cravings? Asking if there are days when I eat enough to shame Henry VIII and still leave room for an extra pudding. Many thanks. <laughs> oh, we've all had these cravings. Oh my goodness, Matt. Yeah. I mean, I'm guess, I would guess that uh, Matt's had some sort of experience with taking prednisolone steroids or steroids at some point because your appetite has just increased throughout the whole day. Uh, at the moment, all I'm taking for supplements, I'm just taking a basic generic vitamin tablet with increased iron in the morning and uh, nothing else after that. I've never been one to take protein powder, mainly because before when I had lupus, I shouldn't, I can't take it and I've just never got into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, nothing other than just a basic vitamin tablet with an increased iron at the moment. And another question came in from Nathan. He says, how do you manage your energy levels post-transplant? I struggle to even get out of bed some days. <laughs> me too, Nathan. Me too. <laughs> You're not the only one. Trust me. There are different days. I think my um, I think my energy levels are very, very connected to my diet at the moment. Like very, very connected. I know instantly how I'll be feeling the next day, depending on what I've had for dinner or lunch. At the moment, since Christmas, I'm in a really good groove with my diet. Uh, post Christmas and COVID era, 2020 was terrible because <laughs> you're just you're eating for you know lots of other reasons other than the fact that you're hungry. But uh, I would say uh, just diet gives me gives me my uh, the energy that I need for the day. I don't know about you, but and this might not be the answer that was that was wanted here. But mm -hmm. after my transplant, my energy level shot up because I was so drained beforehand. Was that similar for you? Uh, I think mine's have played stayed pretty consistent like I said the day before my transplant I was having a yeah. <laughs> doing a 5k run and then if anything I've uh, since the rejection my kid my engine levels have dropped and of they've course. slowly picked back up as well so I suppose the, the key thing there is everyone's different yeah uh, no there's not one size fits all uh, some people will be similar we can take things from each other and learn from what other people have done so yeah definitely uh, thank you everyone for sending the questions and as I said if you'd like to send any in for the next time we record um, if you go and follow the social media pages that I mentioned, then I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Mark, it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Before we before we go, got another little section. Mm -hmm. We mentioned before you want to get back to football again. Mm -hmm. What are your sporting plans for the future? Um, sporting plans definitely include taking part in the transplant games. That's something that before my transplant, after knowing that I was going to have one, I thought that is something I definitely want to do. Um compete at the transplant games possibly not even playing football like I said it's something that I need to decide but I think just running I enjoyed running so much and it was something that I was better at than I thought I was going to be that's something I definitely want to pursue um since my transplant no sorry before my transplant I played tons of golf as well that makes me sound like an old man right now I swear <laughs> I was only 20 at the time as well so but uh, yeah golf has been something that I've been playing quite a lot of and um that might be also something that I want to get into but football's always going to be on the side definitely always going to be on the side but i think transplant games world transplant games as well if you want to look really really big because, yeah that's definitely what i'm looking forward to have you managed to get really many rounds of golf in in the last year uh not that many because of covid and stuff i think i played maybe twice last year and um i, I used to play probably literally once every two weeks before my transplant so not that many this year you've seen the transplant games so that's something you might be able to do Exactly, exactly. And at the moment, you're currently taking part in the Kidney Research 850 Challenge. For those who aren't aware of that, what is it and how's it going for you? Uh, I, I absolutely love this challenge. It's, I, I'm always doing challenges for, uh, for Kidney Research UK. They are an absolutely fantastic charity in the UK here, raising money and awareness for uh, kidney disease patients throughout the UK. 
this current challenge was is a year a year long challenge and it's something that mentally i definitely needed it definitely has brought me back to a really good place after covid 2020 and um it's a year challenge where uh the number 850 is used where you can create any challenge you want around the number 850 uh, 850 is the number that is being used at the moment because currently there is an estimated 850 uh, million people around the world with a kidney disease so it's the number that's being used this year my challenge is to walk 850 kilometers in the whole year just using my walking as my uh, as my measuring tool not just my fitbit steps and stuff like that <laughs> Act- actual walking 850 kilometers a year and i'm absolutely loving it at the moment how far in are you so far uh, I started in the middle of Jan, so I missed the first uh, two weeks, and I think I've just passed 350, uh, 300k. So Good start. Yeah, it's, doing, it's going well. Still on track to get there? I think I am. I need to do some more maths to work it out, but yeah, I think I will be. Can people donate to your challenge and help kidney research? Yes, they most definitely can. I have a uh, Just Giving page set up. Um, I've got quite a few things set up. Uh, it's all over my social media if anyone finds me there. And uh, I'm always doing like extra added bits on the side as well. Like currently I've got a raffle uh, on the go um, for a, a, a brownie. I, I started making brownies and cakes after uh, my transplant as well. Set up like a little side business as well. And uh, that's going really well. So I've decided just to do a little charity raffle to give away a few treats and stuff for anyone that donates as well. Good stuff. Well done you. And uh, I'll try and put the just giving link in the show notes. Cool. So if you're listening to the podcast now, um, depending on where you are, it'll either be up above where you're listening or (laughs) below it's somewhere on the page Um, so have a look there'll be a link in there and if you can please do donate to kidney research the work they do is incredible another question for me that's come up you're on a course to become a primary school teacher yeah it's a course that i'm going to be starting in september (laughs) you brave man (laughs) (laughs) you've been doing your teaching placements throughout this time how has it been teaching in a pandemic Oh, it's been it's been strange. It's been absolutely insane, and it's something that this year again. I don't, I don't think things don't normally hit me at the time. It's only when I look back, I think, damn, like did, did that really go through that? So yeah, I started uh, I started my training actually way back in 2017, and I was training to become a teacher uh, halfway through the course, and that's when my kidneys really started to fail. Uh, in the end, had to stop completely because I had to have my transplant in 2018, and then since then. Health has got back to uh, back to a good state. Started again last year, and then COVID came, and then uh, so since September, I've been training to become a teacher. It's been going really, really well. And then I felt ill in October with pneumonia and spent uh, two weeks in hospital there. So I've missed quite a lot of it, but I'm doing well at the moment. So I should be able to pass my course in the summer. Fingers crossed. Excellent. I, I may pick your brains afterwards uh, on, on teaching questions and especially around things like flu season with the jabs, yeah. but uh, I'll say that for after. <laughs> uh, one more question before we go, and it's one that I ask everyone. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? Um, my one piece of advice would just to be, uh, be as organized as possible, understand everything as much as you possibly can, and go into it knowing that you can control things more than it can control you. Like, like you know, there's tons of, things that you need to deal with after your transplant, loads of medication. Uh, you know, one blood test can bring back a result that you had no idea was going to happen. So as soon as you know what's happening, just, you know, read up on it, ask as many questions as possible and just understand things as much as you can. Don't just don't just go in blindly. I don't think it 
I think it doesn't work. It doesn't work that well. I think you're spot on there, and hopefully people can take something from your attitude, your approach, and t- determination to get through these obstacles that you've had along the way and come through the other side. And hopefully you can get involved in the Transpac Games, get back to football, golf. Oh, thank you. And onwards and upwards. Would love that. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Good luck with the YouTube and social media. Thank you, Lewis. Yeah. If people would like to go and check it out, we've mentioned it a few times, but Transplant Fitness, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, more Instagram because the character name on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, please go and check Mark out on there. I had a few reviews in. I said, I say a lot of times, if, um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a huge amount to me if you could go on there and rate it five stars on the show page because it really does help more people discover the podcast. And if you give it a five-star review, I will also read those out on the podcast. So we've had a couple in over the last week, or last couple of weeks now. Um, first one comes in from Sean M. It says, pod for sports fans and people wanting to know more about transplants. A great pod. As someone who is currently going through workups for transplant, it's encouraging and reassuring to hear the stories of people who've been through it. And to know keeping active and participating in sport can still be a large part of post-transplant life. Highly recommend for those with a particular interest in transplant sport and sports fans in general. I like that because I've been saying this probably more online. You don't have to be a transplant recipient to, to listen to this podcast. Hopefully you can just text them from the uplifting stories, the inspirational people who I have on as a guest. Uh, if you're just a sports fan, you can find out more about the opportunities that there are post-transplant. Another review came in from Bry Coates one It says, another great, interesting podcast. Another great interview story with Ashley Butcher Lewis. What a guy. Each person's story is unique and inspirational. So good to hear them getting on with life and accomplishing great things. I think that's what's something that I'd like people to take from it. Everyone who's been on here, the majority, have been through transplants or been connected with transplants in some way, have come through the other side and now thriving, enjoying life again. Very grateful for the second chance. I know I am, and I'm sure you are as well, Mark. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, thank you once again to my guest today, Mark Zold. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you tell your friends about it, tell your family, and we can bring more people in, get more listeners and hopefully help people through the stories that are being told. If you're not enjoying it, uh, please tell your friends you did anyway, because <laughs> they might. We'll take them. We'll take them on board. <laughs> uh, we've mentioned the social media already, so please go and follow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find out who's going to be on the podcast beforehand, and I'll try and get more active on there and share other things and clips that we may we may reference during the podcast. I know there was a Jeremy Clarkson one on a few weeks ago, so... Maybe if we can get the Wheelstone Raider bleeped, um, <laughs> we'll see him on there as well. Yeah, definitely. Apple, we've mentioned, please leave a review if you can. That would mean a lot to me. Thank you very much for listening as always, and the support has been incredible. Thank you again to my guest today, Mark Zoll. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplant's Take on Sport. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.